What's up, everybody? It's Lo, your host, and almost all of the Vols ATV crew. Uh, we got Brando and Drew back. Alex, unfortunately, could not make it tonight. But we did bring on a guest. You guys, if you've been listening, you heard him a few weeks ago. Welcome back, Christopher Gabriel, or CG for short. Christopher, how are you doing tonight? Well, hey, hey, good to see you guys. I'm, I'm doing great. Um, first of all, to you guys, thanks for thanks for inviting me. I'm getting a little a uh, little feedback, just so you know. But uh, I appreciate the invite. And you know, being that half of my family is from the south, you know, I've never never thrown one of these out there on a broadcast and do it right now. How y'all doing? I just feel like I had to do that. I just had it all in there. I think we're doing well. I'm going to start us off real quick before we dive into some sadness. Um, I just want to give a shout out to Big Game Boomer because tonight he, or I guess earlier this afternoon, he put us on his list for best podcast for the University of Tennessee. I know that is opinionated and biased. However, huge honor, and we were very excited when we saw that tweet. Um, so thank you, Big Game Boomer. Um, now, I guess after we went up like on a high, happy note, we are going to have to go into our more somber uh, topic. So I guess either CG or Brando, whoever wants to like kick us off on the Vols losing in Super Regionals to the Irish. Um, I guess I'll go in because I know CG was still the show. Yeah, yeah. I know CG's going to take the moment here in a second, but um, obviously a week probably too early than any Vols fan wanted it to end. I know we all thought that after game two, uh, really more excited going into game three. Game one, it was a gut wrench. You know, game two, I thought it might be done in two days. Got the winning game two. Uh, I thought the atmosphere was amazing. Game one, I'm still riding with the Peyton Manning curse. I'm just going to give it at that, obviously. Or has to be said, needs to be said there. Um, it's no ironic how he rallied as soon as he left the game. But, you know, obviously, terrible way to end the season. Um, can't discredit what the season was. You know, historic season, probably the best season in Vols history. It'll still go down as that. But I think it's just a week too early than we were ready for. And, you know, it sucks, but it's going to sting for a while. But I, I can't discredit what they did. CG? I'll defer to Drew. Okay, and, and just I've you know I've tried to be rational with this and you know and I've, I've calmed down a lot since Sunday. I oh, unfortunately I drove all the way from Atlanta to Knoxville listening to John Wilkerson. You know, so you can imagine how very furious I was driving I seventy five listening to this game. But you know, I mean, it was an amazing season. I will not deny that. Right? You know, a lot of you know records broken with Luke Lucius and Evan Russell both you know topping career home runs at UT, which is amazing considering, you know, Todd Helton's been on that list for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Wins in a season, regular season champs, tournament champs, you know, most runs in a season for us, six of all time in the NCAA history for runs scored as well. But guys, we were number one for almost 80% of the season, all right? And then our self-inflicting shots, and you know, you can disagree with this all you want, are the reason why we lost this game on and off the field, Okay. A lot of, you know, dumb mistakes with the base running. You know, Drew Gilbert running over there in eighth while, you know, Wild Pitch got out over there. You know, Jordan Beck as well trying to steal, you know. I mean, just a lot of just dumb, inflicting shots. And then I think the biggest one was the fact that Frank Anderson, who, I mean, you know, no disrespect to the guys, like 
85 years old. He still can't control his temper. Got himself thrown out, three-game suspension. And I really think that was the thing that cost us over there because in seventh inning, Chase Burns completely collapsed. So, amazing season. But at the end of the day, the one thing that was the goal was a College World Series. And the goal progressed even more towards a national championship considering how dominant we were all year. And that's going why, And that's why it's a disappointing season. Well, I agree with some of what you said, but there's a difference between a disappointing season and a failure. Uh, you didn't say failure. A lot of Vols fans are saying failure, but uh, every team in Division One doesn't get to the playoffs is disappointed. Every team that doesn't get to Omaha is disappointed. Let me offer a little bit of perspective on why this was a great season and why the Vols are, are in elite company. Let's look at Arkansas last year to use what you just said. Arkansas was number one probably 80% of the year. Arkansas played in a, as a number one seed in a super regional in Fayetteville. They were taking on North Carolina State. In game one, Arkansas beat NC State 21-2. They lost game two. They lost game three. Arkansas has been to 11 College World Series. They've been to a couple of championship games, and they have won the same amount of national titles as UT. That's a big zero. Uh, would you Jeez. look at – and I'm going to bring this full circle. Look at Oklahoma football. Just follow me for a moment, Drew. I'm trying to educate you here now. You know, you threw down, oh, you threw down the Stephen – hold on. You threw down the Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, and clearly you are Skip Bayless. Um, you threw this down, so I'm going to try to educate you, young man. Oklahoma football has won 928 games. They have won two, excuse me, one, one national championship in 37 years. You find me an Oklahoma football that believes their program is a fair or a disappointment. They've gotten to playoff games. They've, they've, they've uh, against Georgia. So let's bring this full circle to Tennessee. Hmm. Tennessee won was, in fact, the number one team most of the year. Last, what, three months or so? They won 57 games. They were playing at home, and they lost at home as a number one as a number one seed. And we have seen Arkansas fans come out of the pig's pits uh, coming at Tennessee. We've heard LSU fans, and I'm sorry, when does LSU's game start this weekend? We've heard their fans. We've heard fans from all over the place. But here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. Tennessee... Uh, is one of four teams, right? Four home super regional hosts that lost, that lo that did not make it, uh, that did not make it to to Omaha. Tennessee mm -hmm. is what is the third straight number one seed that has not gotten to Omaha. Arkansas last year canceled before that. UCLA a couple of years ago. So for a program like Tennessee, like the one that we all follow and everybody watching tonight uh, and listening tonight follows, for anybody to suggest that this season was any kind of a failure, any level of a failure is, is not understanding what a program has to go through before they get to where they need to go. Find me a Gonzaga fan. Find me a Gonzaga fan. They've been to 12 sweet 16s. They've been to multiple elite eights. They've been to two national championship games. How many championships have they won? That would be zero. Again, the point being you cannot legacies are made in June understood mm -hmm. in for college baseball legacies are made in the first weekend uh, of April for college basketball. Legacies are made in January for college football. Legacies are one thing. 
building the momentum, building building blocks for a championship program is another. That's what Josh Heupel's doing. That's what Pat Summit did in all the years before she started winning her eight championships. That's what Tony Vitello's doing. This season, uh, it, it ended disappointing this, in a disappointing fashion, but I like where this program is at. I would, I would submit to you that there's a whole bunch of other fans out there that insist, that insist nobody outside of Tennessee cares. Nobody cares about you. You know what? Yeah. All those fans weighing in from Florida and South Carolina and Alabama and Mississippi and Louisiana and Arkansas, they sure as hell have paid attention to what's going on with the Vols. So the Vols, oh, yeah. contrary to what a buddy of mine who is an ESPN affiliate host has said that Tennessee was bad for baseball, were they? <laughs> That, that's not what yeah. major leaguers are saying. That's not what ESPN analysts are saying. So, Drew, man, brother, you got to wake up here. It, this was this was not – it was disappointing they didn't win, but there's much more good to, to latch on to here. No, I am not disagreeing with that. Like, the, the steps – Of course attend- you're not because I'm right. No, let me finish. <laughs> I mean, like, are you going to argue with me over here? Are you going to let me, like, bring my point across? So – I agree. Like Tony V is making the steps of us being a championship, a national championship team. We are close to that. But even Arkansas fans would agree last year that they were 80% of the time of the season were number one in the country. And for them to lose in the super regional, when everyone predicts them to be the national champs, they would look at last season as a disappointment. Like there's no arguing that. And we should as well. Grant, like I know we're not the same tier as a program as Arkansas or LSU is, but with the talent that we had, and as dominant as he was for three and a half, four months, the fact that we, you know, I mean, we shit the bed at the most important time of the season, I mean, that has to be rolled as a disappointment. Like, I wanted to jump in um, real quick on that because most of my notes were on that last game and why I thought it was so awful. And apart, I've, hear, I've heard a lot of, like, people – just be super pissed at Burns' performance. And I think that's bullshit because he threw 92 pitches, 60 were strikes. Um, it's I think it's a coaching point or a coaching matter that he didn't get pulled after that first mm-hmm. home run was hit. Um, I would have pulled him immediately. I was at the game, and it was absolutely dead in there. Everyone knew that as soon as they hit that first homer off of him, he needed to be pulled, yet they left his ass in there. And that whole game and that whole pitching ordeal is going to be blamed on him, and I think that's shitty because he did awesome up until that point. Secondly, hitting was atrocious. Lipscomb 0 for 4, Ortega 0 for 3, Gilbert 0 for 4, Russell 0 for 4. You are not going to win a game if you can't hit the damn ball. They have been one of the best, like the best hitting team, and you're never going to win like that. And honestly, they just – this is so Tennessee. I just have to put this out there. Tennessee was 49-0 and when leading after six innings. But naturally, Tennessee is going to Tennessee. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I've heard a lot of people talk about Burns. I do not think that game was on him at all. In fact, he was phenomenal. 92 pitches, 60 strikes. They only had eight hits but scored seven runs. So that shows you – there's a lot of issues in that game all over the board. You cannot blame it on one person, one thing, this or that. So I just wanted to throw that out there while y'all were uh, on it. I think no. that's a, a great point to mention, not to not to after the whole series, yeah. but Chase Burns has been getting national recognition lately as a freshman pitcher of the year after that game. And I think that, you know, Drew mentioning earlier about 
our pitching coach not being there, that definitely had to be playing a part. I don't know who was in control of it or if it was Tony, but after that first home run, even before the first home run, uh, the first pitch went all the way to the wall. We caught that ball. The second one, it went out. The game was tied. And I knew, like everyone knew, probably watching at home at the game, that he needed to be pulled there. But um, I don't know if it was just, you know, not confidence in the bullpen or what it was, but I feel like there had to be some recognition that that might have been a good spot to pull the trigger and get him out of there. But I think all in all, there's a lot of things you can look at. I think we have to give a lot of credit to Luke Lipschitz. Uh, he had a crazy game two and game three. I think he had like three home runs in those two games. Um, Drew Gilbert coming back and going 0 for 6. You know, the game two a whole fiasco or game one fiasco where he had to be out for game two. I just, you have to wonder and see like, you know, were our, our errors worth it? But I think it's a lot less than what the national media is trying to put out as us, the villains. And I think this year, us Vols fans, we won't look at us being the bad guys, but across the country, they will. And there's nothing you can do to stop that. But let's be honest, who did Tennessee hurt this year? When did Tennessee ever be, like, get physical and do something nasty besides having fun? When did they ever do something I mean, that hurt another fan base? Like, like just naturally like chest bump Jeff Matthias like at the Alabama. When did one of our players ever like, I mean, come on. Can we, we have to be honest? It's the SEC officiating, like Jeff Mashes, George Tech's right fielder, while he was rounding for second. So I mean, like I understand what you're saying, and I. But did he ever get physical though? No, I mean, like, and listen, like I love the attitude this team had. I mean, this team, like, they were just the bad boys, and I loved it, like, because we haven't had a team like that with that type of attitude in any sport in a very long time. But, I mean, we can't be surprised that we're getting completely downpoured on, though, with all the hate from everyone else. I mean, because if you're going to act like that, you got to talk the talk. You got to walk the walk. So, yeah. Uh, CG, if you want to uh, hop you in know, here, you were talking about your yeah, best friend. Yeah, yeah, I did. Well, Drew, a minute ago, Drew was like, he's getting all butthurt that I was uh, talking over him. So I don't want to, I don't want to upset him. Um, Lo, you made some good, some, some good points. Uh, <laughs> I, a couple of things here. I wear two hats. I wear a, a Vols fan hat and I wear a media hat, you know, a 20 year media hat. The media hat allows me to stay a little measured and keep it at like 30,000 feet and look at things a little differently. The Vols fan in me, make no mistake. I'm not, I, don't for a minute think that I'm not, uh, I'm not as upset as you guys that they, that they lost. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I said on the radio here and I said it on Twitter and you guys have seen it that the Vols should have put this game away in the first or the second or the fifth. They had Notre Dame's pitchers rattled, and they couldn't get the key hit. This game could have, should have been four, five, six, seven, nothing, and the game should have been over. I totally agree with Lowe. Uh, Burnsy, I thought he pitched great, and um, I would have, uh, if I remember right, before the home run, it was a, there was a ground rule double, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That for me, guys and ladies, that's where I would have taken him out because I was looking at Burns, and as soon as he hit that ball, there was a noticeable change in his body language. And so I thought, this is probably a good time to take him out. When he, when when the guy, of course, the guy who's hit one home run the whole year hits a two-run homer to tie it uh, or to you know to bring them back, then I'm with you. I, I'm saying right then, take him out and let's let's go to the bullpen. Absolutely. The one thing that I'm going to disagree with. Uh, and this is something that, and, and remember, I'm a five-decade Tennessee fan. So when you say Tennessee's going to Tennessee, I hear you. I, I mean, I've been at too many of those games in Neyland Stadium, in Thompson Bowling, at Lindsey Nelson. I've been at too many of those games to know exactly what you're talking about. But the reason 
that I went around the horn talking about, you know, Arkansas and talking about East Carolina, 32 postseason appearances, seven super regionals, two at home. They've never gotten to Omaha. The point I was trying to make, the the sub point that I was trying to make is that we can say Tennessee's going to Tennessee, but you know what? Everybody does this. The, the thing is, fans focus on their own team as they should. We notice the failures even more than anybody else. We know where they are. But other, you talk to other fan bases. I mean, I've lived all. I've been fortunate to live all over the country. You talk to Michigan fans. You talk to Ohio State fans. Talk to fans up in Seattle for the Huskies or Oregon in uh, Eugene. They will tell you the same thing. Every school has their issues. That's not taking Tennessee off the hook. It's simply saying mm-hmm. it sucks. We didn't get to where we wanted to go, but we're not alone. You know, Oregon's going to Oregon. Alabama, I mean, Alabama had 10 years where they were miserable in football. LSU went 25 years. They were ter- largely terrible. Everybody yeah. has those blocks of time where they're not very good. I get I get where you're coming from, CG. It's just for me, as long as I've been following yeah. sports, been like this which is not very long um i mean i'm 25 and i started actively paying attention about 15 16 really getting into it so for someone younger like me to say that is probably a different context than like someone who's like my parents age or whatever who's been who's been through like all the glories glory years i'm not taking a stab by the way i'm just trying to put it into perspective because it's like you're right. CG old. No, we have this. I'll, like, I'll, I'll call me old. <laughs> I'm not calling oh, you old. Man. I just uh, I want to call it well seasoned, well versed. I like that. I I, I like that. Yeah. Well seasoned is nice. You've seen no, where Tennessee can point, be. Yeah, no, right. And I I think your point is a fair one because. I got a buddy in Albany, Georgia, my man, Jason, lifelong Tennessee fan. He's from Tennessee. And he talks about his 15 year old son. And he said, you know, my son is, he's never experienced anything good uh, with Tennessee. He's, he's never really, since he's been of age to, to watch the Vols on TV with him, he's never seen anything good. As I, and I, t- I think it's perfectly valid. It's absolutely valid. I just, mm-hmm. I just, I just think that, you know, sometimes, it sounds as crazy as this sounds, guys. You tell me what you think. Sometimes you need to learn how you need to lose before you learn how to win. And you know, this program, this team last year, I don't know what's that. As a hell, we've been losing a lot. I mean, I'd love for us to win something big. I mean, I've been waiting for 24 we years. We still have the best winning percentage in all major sports in the SEC, though. And we, you, you say we're losing, but like it's still a correct stat national championship. I'm torn. I want the well, I want true. one team a year wins a national championship, but you know how hard it is to be that one, like the one team that does it. Like, I mean, man, this, this again goes back to, to the, to the reason I, I, I opened with what I opened with that you can talk to fans. And I, I mean, I just gave you a partial list. I'm not mm-hmm. making an excuse for Tennessee. What I'm saying is Tennessee is not alone. I mean, you can go right down the list in different sports in every one of the P5 conferences, and you're going to find teams that have just fallen short. Oklahoma in football is probably the best example. You know, they went 10 years under three different coaches, and they were 60, uh, 51, 46, I think it was. Bob Stoops comes in. He has a 7-6, and 7-5, and five, whatever it was year, and then he wins the national championship in 2000, and they haven't won since. They've come close, nope. but they've had some failures. 
But I tell you, if I'm an Oklahoma fan, I love where that program's at because you, you're expecting them to win every year. You're in the game. Tennessee, we have seen abysmal. We're going to get to football. We've seen abysmal years. I mean, we've seen the worst of the worst. That's obviously turning around. And I think Tennessee baseball, you know, when I hear my, fr- when I hear my friends down in Louisiana, down in Baton Rouge, and they use the word cute, oh, isn't that nice? Tennessee fans, they're, they're the cute little fan base. They've been back for two years. That's garbage. Tennessee fans have supported this program for years. Uh, mm-hmm. Some years there's been a thousand people uh, in Lindsey Nelson. Other years there's been a lot more. This year everything it was sold out. But the point is, you you need to lay a foundation. You're right, Drew. There's been a lot of losing, but but we're not alone. And and I think since Danny White got here, we talked about this last time. Since Danny White got here, there's a whole different attitude in this athletic department. And I think it's it's not me. It's not a coincidence that. Tennessee had the number one SEC overall winning percentage, men's and women's. I, I don't think that's an accident. Thoughts, Drew? I think those are all fair points. Um, I think I I love the diversity on these thoughts. And my I just want to get to things. I'm not necessarily with Drew. Obviously, I want to win a national championship. That would be awesome. But I kind of have different tiers for, like, each sport. Like, I wanted to really make it back to Omaha, and I would have made it successful for baseball. For football, for me to get excited, I want to be in the SEC championship to really get excited. Not everything for basketball, I want to make it to the Elite Eight. Like, I don't have to have – but I see all the talent in these different sports categories, and I'm like, there is more than enough talent to get there, and we just – keep falling short but I know I I do have faith that we're going to come back like it's just I guess I'm just impatient because I see something good and I'm like I want more so I think oh, that- I, I'm, I'm with you and I and that's you know it's a it's a fair point you know you said you're 25 you know I'm on the ledge half the time when I'm watching these games and I'm going to go back to the 2001 SEC championship game in football when the Vols had LSU down at halftime we're we're 30 minutes away from getting to the Rose Bowl to take on Miami in the national championship, and then they fall apart against a backup quarterback and a backup running back. And, I mean, I, I'm not the breaking things type, but I wanted to break things that night. And this football program has never been the same since that night until uh, Josh Heupel got here. So I'm with you. I, I mean, it's we all want to see wins. And, I, and you know what? I mean, you guys had the benefit and, and the joy – of being in Thompson Bowling to see this basketball and Lindsey Nelson to see the craziness that has become baseball. Can you guys imagine what Neyland Stadium is going to be like this fall, especially when they win the first couple of games? And if they and when Florida comes in there, if this team is undefeated, I, I mean, it's going to be friggin' mayhem in that place, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I have no doubt about it. And now I'm getting all excited. I'm like trying to get the countdown going. It's 78 days away, by the way. It's awesome. Like, it's going to be good, but, like, I'm just – I'm sorry. I just – I feel like it's going to be, like, 1996 all over again where we just – we blow it. I mean, like, we're just – we don't show up, so. You know what? Maybe, 1996, if I remember right, Drew, I, I think – was 96 the year? Because I was there in the driving rainstorm uh, for Florida, and, and, I mean, I have – nightmares when i think about florida somebody asked me a few months ago what's your worst tennessee football memory and it's easy it's fourth and 11 from the tennessee 37 
and Spurrier decides to go for it. Danny Werfel to is either Ike Hilliard or Riddell Anthony in the corner of the end zone. Touchdown, seven nothing. My brother-in-law looks leans over to me, and I look at him, and I said, "Game over." Fifteen minutes later, in the middle of the second quarter, it's thirty-five nothing, Florida. So I'm I'm feeling what you're saying. I mean, I am totally feeling what you're saying. I've seen wait, we've gotten excited. Oh, we're gonna beat him this year, and then something like, happened. I, Some no-name Gator. Exactly. Every year, every year, I've like convinced myself that we're gonna win this game, like regardless of what the situation is or how much more talent we have, and we never did. It's like because, like what you said, there was always that one random play that's mediocre for three and a half years of Florida that has goes and throws three hundred and eighty or four hundred yards, <laughs> right. like wide. So that's why this year I'm just you know as one of my New Year resolutions was is not to get excited about this game because <laughs> it's going to end in heartbreak regardless. So. And Drew, that's why. That's also why I said, yeah. That's why I said I, I've got the, the the Vols fan hat and and the media hat because the media hat allows me to decompress before the game so that I don't get too excited. And then it went, if and when they win, well, they haven't won in like since eighteen ninety three. Um, then I, you know, I'm not losing my mind. But uh, you know, I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping to come in for the Florida game this year. So. Because uh, I used to come into three, we used to come into three games a year, and that was a good time. But I, I don't know, guys. I just, I feel like it's going to be. I really do feel like it's going to be different this year. That may be the tenth or eleventh time I've said that, but I, I really do believe it's going to be different this year. Yeah, I mean, you had all the, uh, you had all the second half of the twenty twenty two guys. Josh Heupel's first real class, you know, finally getting in here. Um, a lot of the guys, the early reports are coming in that they've already gained like 15, 20 pounds of solid muscle, looking great. And that's always good when you're getting a brand new, fresh set of guys. Uh, Tennessee last year, they played a lot from behind on the scholarship level. I think maybe like 15 less scholarship players than the average SEC team. Um, even though it's still early on guys that are just now getting to the college level, you know, having that extra depth there, it has to help the team in all honesty. You got Andre Turrentine, Brew McCoy, um, you know, maybe not enough needs filled in but you got you got some filled in at the safety position which we really need you got that outside threat at the receiver to replace Javante Payton and Bayless Jones um, you have all the fan base locked in from a crazy baseball season which I always give credit to baseball because it wraps around and then you have only 80 days away now and we're used to like maybe like 150 waiting so long and then recruiting being as hot as it is I just feel like going into football um, I'm not going to say 10 and 2 have always been 9 and 3 kind of guy but I just feel like the energy, you can go nine and three and, you know, it might not be a natty. It might not be a crazy successful season to the national media, but to us, that would be amazing. And I think, you know, getting that kind of love for Josh Heupel year two, that could just set the, the standard going forward with Nico coming in and stuff like that. So real quick, what, I want to you- on that because nine and three was done with Dobbs and them in 2016, but it started out hot and fell down. I want to see a nine and three where they um, like start out hot, but get better and better and better and keep climbing and keep learning instead of like, all right, we're there. We're there. We beat Florida and Georgia. And then we lose to Vanderbilt and shit the bed and we're downhill. I want to see like it needs to go. I want to see like an upward trajectory. I can't ever say that word right, but upward instead of just like, we're good. And then we're down. Don't fall. I don't think we go eight and four though. Like I just, I Florida's going to be a loss until that clock that hits zero at Neyland Stadium says otherwise. Ellis, we haven't won there since two thousand five. It's always it's one of the toughest places to play in the country. So like, 
for a year one for Brian Kelly, that's still going to be a very, very difficult game for us to deal with. Alabama's a guaranteed loss. I don't care what anyone says. And then you're talking about George is definitely a loss for sure. So even then, you're still looking at us having a top 15 win against Kentucky, which would still look good for Heifel. It still probably gives a decent bowl game, like the Tampa Bay Bowl or something like that. But, like, I just – I don't see us winning LSU, and I don't. I just. I don't see us winning Florida either. But that still means we beat Kentucky, who's a very Kendrick Drew. That seemed the answer. Yeah, I. I think. Uh, I think nine and three is absolutely attainable. Eight and four is probably logical. But I. I mean, we talked last time that I was on your program, and you know, I don't like to say should have, but I'm going to go. I'll go ahead and say should have. They should have beaten Pitt. They should have beaten Ole Miss. They should have beaten uh, Purdue. I mean, these aren't stretches to imagine, right? Those are three games that they should have won. So this past year doesn't really necessarily mean anything for this year, except for the fact that everybody's on the same page. Everybody understands the playbook. The returning players, especially Hendon Hooker, understands the playbook better. They understand their timing better. And I just, you know, I look at these games. I don't see LSU as an unbeatable team. That is a different, I've I've been to three games at Tiger Stadium and I, you know, it's a great environment. Tennessee has won there before. Teams have gone in there and won. This is not a national championship team for LSU coming back. Neither is Tennessee. I like the Vols' chances, but, you know, might they lose there? It's possible. Uh, but I, I like the Vols' chances there. I do like the Vols' chances against uh, Florida this year. I think Alabama is a loss. I think Georgia's uh, most likely a loss. Um, but And I said to you last time that I thought somewhere in the mix, they're going to pick up, in my view, a third loss against someone that we're not expecting that it's going to be that classic loss that was like, how did they lose that game? Um, But I, I I think nine and three is entirely possible. And I, and I would say this, I'm curious what you guys think about this and you guys are right there in Knoxville. So you you're closer to this winning begets winning. And every team is very much aware of what the other teams are doing. And they see, everybody sees what's happened uh, with Josh Heupel since he's come on the scene. They see what's happened with recruiting. They saw what Rick Barnes did this year. They came up short, but they saw what he did, and they're seeing what he's done with the transfer portal. They see what he's doing with the recruiting. Certainly seeing what's happened with baseball. Uh, Kelly Harper, I mean, you know, she took this team. You know, she, she's starting to build this program back up. I like where that program's going. Um, softball, don't get me started because I, I'm not in the legion of the weeklies, uh, of Karen Weekly. I'm just not. Uh, I think softball needs a change, but still, they're good every year. Um, I, I think that everybody is lifting everybody up in this athletic department, and that's only going to bode well or better for the Vols come 78 days from now. I think Ball State, and they're going to they're gonna be fodder. I mean, they, you know, they're, they're going to be mulch when they leave this stadium. <laughs> that's a great point, CG, because that was one thing that I was going to bring up specifically. I've been to a ton of games at Lindsey Nielsen this year, and pretty much half, if not like most of the – freaking basketball team is there. Euros was there in a fur coat, raising hell in the student section, front row. Like, Triple J, Zakai, and Euros all signed, like, one of my T-shirts, take pictures. They're out here socializing. They want to support each other. They see what it's like when people continue to win and go deep, like, in their sport. And then, on top of that, you have – like these baseball players coming out after taking like a massive loss and throwing pitches to little kids and doing the things that most athletes are not going to do. So it's like, 
they love who they're playing for and win or loss. You have sport, like you have each student athlete coming to every sporting event. It's like starting to what I would get back to what I would think how the old days used to be where everyone was supporting each other. Like when everything was really back on top. And I just wanted to make a comment on how phenomenal I think it is. I mean, these guys literally, I mean, are coming out to these games and taking pictures with every single fan, signing every single hat or whatever. And I just think it's awesome. And I do think that the energy is changing. And, like, being able to go to baseball and a lot of basketball and just being local and getting the chance to do that, you can see the energy is on, like, an upward trend. I don't know, like – if that means we're going to win championships soon. But I can tell you that it's way different than it's been in the past several years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would, I'm curious what you guys think also. You guys being in Knoxville, you know, Lo, uh, you mentioned it. I, I'm not sure if Brando or Drew meant, but national media. And and a lot, lot of a lot of media, you know, Call the tennis right. Tennessee's villain, isn't it? And my feeling, I mean, I I know a lot of these guys. I communicate with a lot of these guys. That's what's said publicly is not what they're saying privately. That's one thing. The other thing all the time. Does it annoy me a little bit? But in the, who cares? Who cares? You know, when Miami was winning national championships in football, they were hated in the nineties. Spurrier's Gators teams were hated. It, it was it, we had message room, message boards, and chat rooms. We didn't have all the fancy internet stuff now. Gosh, I sound old, don't I? All this fancy internet. Uh, but when Spurrier's teams lost, people were rejoicing. They were going crazy. And why? Because everybody knew how great those teams were. Why with Miami? Because everybody knew how great those teams were. And why were people rejoicing when Tennessee? got beaten by Notre Dame, it wasn't because of anything other than the fact, well, it was that they beat the bad guys, but that made Omaha a hell of a lot easier with, you know, with Tennessee not going there. So people took notice of Tennessee for a lot of reasons, and one of those reasons is how great this team was. They didn't get there, but I'm I'm going to be interested to see what happens next year, and, and they're going to be hated next year, and again, who cares? Tony is going after guys that are big guys, power guys, versatile, and guys that have I, – I love that. I absolutely love that. That's something that we have not seen at Tennessee in too long. When Fulmer used to coach, it was always like, well, you know, we're not going to really say too much. We're just going to be nice. The hell with that. You, you, Matt, when somebody is throwing smack your way, you got to match it. you got to match it and come back at them, and that's what I love about Tony V. And Josh Heupel does it in his own way. We've all seen it. He does it in a much more subtle way, but he does it. Oh, yeah. To, to give credit to Tony Vitello, like he's already getting started. You look at the 2024, 2025 classes for baseball. It's kind of hard to keep up with that recruiting because of D1 and it's not really kind of covered by the media a lot. But the guys he's already got, you know, committed and bringing in are absolutely crazy. It's kind of type of players that we would a few years ago lose to Vanderbilt and other premier SEC programs when like Tony Vitello was at Arkansas. <laughs> And um, he's not just doing it recruiting high school kids. He's also going into the portal. Last year, he got Chase Dolander. This year, he's already uh, started off at the transfer from Kansas. Uh, the day of the regionals, Maui Akana, the shortstop out there, who was hitting absolutely insane. Um, I think a first-round projected pick, but he decided to come back, and he transferred to the Vols. 
so that's going to be a great piece for next year. Uh, they're already also sitting well for the Air Force catcher, and then they're still batting it, uh, battling out for Tommy Tanks up there from FSU. That's you know picking between FSU and the Vols, the leading uh, freshman home run hitter. And if Tony Votello in this day and age where it's so difficult to recruit in baseball because of the scholarship limitations that's still not fixed by the NCAA and to go out there in the portal and, you know, recruit like he's Nick Saban of baseball, it's absolutely ridiculous. He can just pick and choose who he wants because of what he's done on the field. And, yeah, we might be like the villains, but they're not going to cover the guys going into children's hospitals or pitching the kids after the game. And, you know, we can't change that. We're Tennessee. We embrace it. And I think it's cool that we embrace it. And if people want to hate, I mean, we just – it's whatever. But to say that what Tennessee's doing is not good for the program or the future of Tennessee, I say to hell with them because they don't they're not looking at Tennessee from the inside. They're looking at it from the outside. That's always going to be bad coverage. Josh Heupel in football. That's just another another statement. But obviously the highest of the highs, if they want to be there with NIL in this day and age of football, recruiting spectacular, the all the energy we talked about three years ago. We had a terrible football program. Baseball is kind of weird. Rick Barnes just getting started. And now it's like the fans are bought in that if we're not winning a national championship or not winning an SEC championship, we're still going to support these guys. And that's what really matters with the energy of all nations. So who's going to Drew, you got anything to say? I have much to add to that. So, I mean, Brando basically said everything I was about to say about Tony V in the program. So yeah, pretty much killed it. Unfortunately, I didn't hear most of CG's question because I think my connection was, like messed up or something. So I'm just going to go with Brando's well, well said answer. It was great. He was, he was uh, spot on. CG, I want to ask you, um, you know, all of this good news of publicity and it's always bad from the outside going into football year two of football, what can Tennessee like from the outside, obviously on the field is one thing, but like as a fan base, Tennessee, like, you know, to wake up teams and, you know, not just realize that like the mustard and the ketchup bottles, I don't know if you saw, Bryson Sanders, the uh, in-state offensive lineman, he committed to Ole Miss and he threw the golf ball in there. And he didn't even go to Ole Miss allegedly because of that situation. It was a kind of family thing. I know you don't talk about recruiting, but what can Tennessee um, do differently going into year two under hype? you know, kind of get that good respect kind of back? Like what, what's next for Tennessee? Yeah, I th- well, I think it starts with the results on the field, right? I mean, it starts mm-hmm. with with what they're doing on the field and 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 what they show us. But I think also – you know, again, there's there's perception versus reality, and and the perception um, of you know Ryan McGee from ESPN is a is a good buddy of mine, and, and of course he's a Tennessee alum, and and him and I have talked privately about this, and 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 he said this publicly that the, the, this notion that that Tennessee is uh, going to a Tennessee game is just an eyelash away from a Premier League game that turns into a riot is just is just patently false, so. If there's if they're concerned about some image problem at Neyland, well, there's never been that concern before because if anything, Tennessee fans have been so nice, so friendly, so welcoming. Well, they are still all of those things, but I think if they wanna if they wanna create something a little bit different, I think fans can start by simply saying, We're gonna come, we're gonna bring our lungs, you know, on a one to ten level, we're gonna bring our lungs, our vocal cords uh, at about a fifty, but we're gonna limit it to that. We're gonna cheer, we're gonna boo, we're gonna, you know, chant V O L S, you know, we're gonna do all that. But we're going to limit ourselves from overboard, and I, and I think it's it's a it's a matter of the fans taking ownership of that because that to that to me is not representative of, of the Tennessee fan base. I've I've never seen anything like that. I've seen that in other places, but I've never seen that happen at Tennessee. I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but 
my goodness, in the years that I've been following the Vols, I've never seen that before. And I mean, I've had more people email me uh, from your show and, and, you know, from other shows that I've been on and just knowing that I'm a Vols fan saying, you know, what's with your animal fans? It's like, you know, that, that was one 10, 12 minute period out of the history of Tennessee football. The notion that that represents all of Tennessee football is silly. So I think, you know, if they, they, they can have some fun with it. Uh, but I think, you know, in terms of how they want to market the program, but I think the wins will market themselves. And I think the fans just simply need to take ownership and say, if we lose, we hate it. It sucks, but we need to kind of pull back on our own from launching you know, canisters and balls and everything else out on the field. It's up to us yeah. it, it, more than anything else, I think. Yeah. I, I wanted I, to comment on that too, because I was present for that whole fiasco. And first of all, like me being a Vols fan, I'm sitting there, I'm about to get hit in the head with shit too. Like it wasn't just, it was just stupid on all ends. It wasn't just, just UT. It wasn't the whole arena. Like let's, everyone went like, they took, like, we gave them an inch with, like, a few idiots, and they went, like, ten miles, not even one. It was, like, we're the worst fan base on the planet, et cetera. Um, I just, I think that every fan base of every sport has those few bad seeds, just like everyone else. And, honestly, I think it's ridiculous to take a few people and to find an entire fan base out of it. I don't care if you're in national media, local media, an opposing uh, fan. I don't care. I think it's a completely idiotic statement. And that just tells me how they probably live their normal lives outside of broadcasting to take one thing like, Hey, this person made this one mistake. So I'm going to judge them to this extent for it. Like why did I think it's ridiculous. Um, I think the people who did it were idiots, but we, every fan base has idiots and the sad part is that's just going to be a forever thing. And people are always going to be like, remember that one time where everyone raised hell and threw golf balls and did all this stuff. But honestly, I, I think it's time for people to move on. And I agree with you, CG though. It is important that people try to at least reel it in. Like we've discussed on the podcast, like, there is like getting angry and then there's like way over the top and like, you've got to reel it in. It doesn't matter like how passionate you are. Um, but I just do, it did really piss me off to just see all of these absurd takes all over the, the country. And I'm just like, most of y'all weren't even there and didn't even see who all threw stuff, et cetera. I thought the university did as good of a job as they could trying to patch it up. People did pay fines. People did get banned. Um, other than that, I think it's just time to move forward. Now, I think the, the difference is, though, is the fact that, like, not only just us as Tennessee fans had that game circled, it's also the fact that most of college football did because that was the first game where Lane Kiffin, as a head coach, came back to Neyland Stadium. Like, that was the first time where he was on the other sidelines, you know, since leaving us for USC. So, Every media member that you could possibly imagine, every other fan base, they were watching that game. I mean, it was a nationally televised game. Everyone was looking at us for doing something crazy. And I agree. I mean, I was there, too. I was all the way up in row 25 and double O, you know, hanging out with all the Reds. And it wasn't that bad. I will agree. Like, it wasn't as bad as the media portray it. But, like, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest sense that, like, everyone went on about that for months on end and even still to this day. I think it was expected. I'm not really surprised that it happened. 
And going back to Ryan McGee's things about Premier League matches, I've been to Premier League matches. They're not even that bad. I Quite frankly, I think they're a little bit overrated, personally. But I think it was expected, and I agree that people do need to move on. But, you know, like, Nealon hasn't had that type of a rowdy atmosphere in years. And honestly, like, if it means that we get bad, you know, a media reputation over a drunken redneck throwing shit on the field – who cares? As long as we're winning games, I think it's like, you know, people are going to look past that. And so it's like going back to like what, you know, CG said, like we start, we got to start winning games. We got to start winning big time games where people can look at us again, saying like, oh, you know, Tennessee's a walk, you know, a walk in the park or whatever like that. Because at the end of the day, when you think of Miami from the 90s and the 80s and early 2000s, you don't think of, you know, what their fans were like. Their fans threw stuff on the field as well. Trust me. You think of they were one of the most feared teams in college football that you do not want to play at all on any given Saturday. You know, one of the things that I find, I, right, I agree with all that. I, one of the things that I find really annoying is fans, a lot of fans major in hypocrisy. And fans just live to come out and be part of a, of a throng. When, when somebody or a group of fans on social media and elsewhere are piling on a fan base, Everybody piles on. And when I saw after that old Miss game, uh, I have some friends, some good friends who are Florida alums, and they were giving me grief about this. And I, and I talked to them in a, a little Zoom thing, and I said, you, you can't be serious. I've, I've been in the swamp. Are you, you can't be serious. I have watched some of the worst garbage hat from fans in that state. It's a great environment. It's loud. But I have watched some. I mean, it reminded me of some of the Yankees games that I went to when I lived in New York. Those fans are can be as bad as any in college football. But like Lowe said, it's it's a portion. There's always going to be that small minority, maybe that's redundant, of fans that are going to give a, a representation of an entire fan base. And, and I agree with Drew. I love the rowdiness in, in Neyland. And I, I say bring mm. more rowdiness. Stop short of throwing stuff on the field, but bring more rowdiness. I, you know, I told you the story before when Doug Dickey would want to always be good host to everybody. And he would, you know, a couple of band members from the Pride told me that they were told to tone things down a little bit. Are you serious? It's college football. It's college football. The, Tennessee, I mean, when I hear a fan, when I've been in Neyland and somebody yelled, can you sit down? No, I can't. No, yeah. no, I can't. No, no, no. We're, we're not at the opera. We're at a football game. You stand up. I, I'm going to stay up. You stand up. So that's that mentality needs to be back in Neyland because I remember the days, as I'm sure all of you do, when Neyland would be shaking. You'd see the camera, the TV shaking. Those days need to come back, and that's by everybody getting into it, everybody bringing their best. That's what I love about Josh Heupel saying, we need to have a little nasty in there. Oh, well, Tony V said that, but Josh Heupel's like, you got you to bring the heat. Steve Spurrier used to be a conductor with, with those fans. He would be he, all week long. So I like that, Emil. Just I, more noise, the better. The more craziness, the better. The nastier, the more villainous that our fan base is thought of, great. But let's just stop short of throwing golf balls and, and mustard bottles. That's all. That's all. I, I don't think that's being unreasonable. Absolutely not. I think we can all agree there. I mean, there's nothing more fun, honestly, than gearing up for a Saturday that you know is going to be absolutely insane in Neyland. My, I mean, I was there um, 
at the Oklahoma game where we broke the record for sound. And I mean, I literally couldn't hear anything for hours, like honest to God. So we want that back for sure. The Dale Carter. You seen that on the screen. Oh, oh man, do I remember that cutting and go slash into the ends? I remember that well. And and low. Um, I don't I don't remember if I mentioned this on the first time I joined you guys, but a very good buddy of mine is a longtime Sooners beat writer, Ryan Aber. He works for the Oklahoma and he's covered uh, Oklahoma sports for years. And he tells me to this day, I mean, all the think about all the places Oklahoma has played. He's told me repeatedly he has never ever heard anything louder than kneeling that night at that Oklahoma game and on TV you right you you could feel it I mean yeah I yeah. wish I could have been there but yeah that place was nuts it was literally insane like us talking about it makes me want to physically go back and rewatch it again because that's how awesome it was like you can't even put it into words it needs to be like that again and honestly I don't know how it even got to that point. Like it wasn't where we were at like a prestige top tier, like level in the program. It was just people got so excited to play that opponent or whatever the odds were. Maybe we almost won. So I don't know. That was, that was the yeah. big home game that we had probably yeah. since 2006 when we played Cal. And that's when they had Marshawn Lynch and Deshaun Jackson. So, I mean, that was just a recipe for another atmosphere. You know, and I still, I still love to see Tennessee have that again. I think they will, like you said yeah. against Florida. Like I've already got twelve of my buddies all the way from Europe. They're flying in for it, so for their first ever college football experience. So they are, they're fired um, up about it. So I mean, but we need that again. I mean, we need that nastiness, as you know, Tony V would say. Yeah, if uh, if the Florida I, game somehow what, gets oh. a, no, yeah, I was gonna, I was just gonna add if somehow the Florida game was to get a nighttime slot and the Vols do go in there undefeated. I just can't imagine because, you know, being an old Miss and seeing what it was like with Kiffin's first return, when that third down for what surprisingly played in the third quarter when everyone was there, that place exploded. I couldn't hear a thing or even feel a thing. So I can't imagine with a, a first year Billy Napier, um, the most, you know, vulnerable Florida team coming in here in a long, long time and to get a night slot going there undefeated and get the job done. I, I just can't imagine it. I feel like it's going to be insane, but Brando, we have like a mind, a mind meld thing happening there. Wow, my hands yeah. are huge. Uh, we have like a mind meld thing happening because I was about to say, I wish there would be a few more night games because I think we could all agree a night game in Neyland is insanity. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I would love to see Florida be a primetime CBS or ESPN game at night. That place will be just like Ole Miss, only more because it's Florida. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just getting so excited. I can't stop thinking about, like, this upcoming football season. I did want to – I don't know where we're at. Or Brando, did you have more stuff to cover? Because I wanted to ask that poll question um, that um, I found on I just had some football recruiting, like, updates. If you want to do that first or the poll one, whichever were. You pick. Doesn't matter. Oh, uh, yeah. I guess just in like Tennessee football news, obviously, all the energy's kind of shifted over there after baseball and stuff like that. Um, Tennessee, obviously, on the recruiting trail is probably the most known topic right now. The recruitment of Carnell Tate, five star wide receiver. Tennessee trying to close uh, the, the job there, get the door to close there. 
Um, rumor that he might be announcing this week or next week. He's kind of gone quiet on both teams, but it's kind of known that Ohio State, Tennessee kind of being the finalist two teams. Um, Steve Wolfong, the 24-7 director of recruiting, he said he's sticking with his Ohio State pick. Then you got the on three director of recruiting, Chad Simmons. He said he's sticking with his Tennessee pick. So two of the best known analysts, um, Carnell was recently with Nico at the OT7, seven on seven tournament. So there's a lot of kind of reading into um, if you were kind of well aware of the Twitter stuff going on, Brian Hartline, the Ohio State wide receiver coach, kind of subtweeting a 17-year-old kid, trying to tell him, like, you know, uh, first-rounder picks and you can have your best future here. So there's a lot of smoke going on there with him and his family not really knowing what to believe, but I expect a decision there. Um, and better news for the Vols, kind of certainty. They kind of have been picking up a lot of crystal balls as of late. They got Ethan Smith, the four-star linebacker he had like 180 tackles breaking a georgia grace in high school record which is one of the most elite high schools in in georgia yeah. uh, a crystal ball for jeremiah t lander who's also another four-star uh, linebacker who has the potential of all the world and we all know tennessee needs linebacker help also the uh, db priority christian conyers the number two ranked player in kentucky db been on tennessee's board a long long time going into kentucky and getting a recruit what kentucky's been kind of doing to us over the last few years and coming in and kind of picking us while we're vulnerable to go in there and steal a huge, huge prospect would be amazing. Um, and then also getting that from a Kentucky insider. So a lot, a lot of good news. Um, I think Francis, the five-star offensive tackle, he also visited Alabama, but Chad Simmons said he was confident of where the Vols are there getting his last official visit. So it looks like the Vols with the top of a lot of these guys, like they might not be highly ranked now, but they're going to probably have impact senior seasons blowing up at camps a lot. And it just to see Tennessee this early in the cycle, you know, it doesn't end till May, early signing period in December. But to even have these kind of guys that they've been after and prioritizing to be interested like this is really a good sign. So I know we kind of have a lot of soft open wounds from baseball, but it looks like Josh Heupel, he's not only talking about it, but he's getting results so far if it predicts to be out how it is. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, I think the one of the things I'm liking is the fact that we have two linebackers that we already got crystal balls for, Jalen Smith and T.U.N. Because, yeah. uh, you know, we got four guys in linebackers, both inside and outside, that are seniors this year, with Juwan Mitchell, Jeremy Banks, Solon Page, and Aaron Beasley. So we need all the guys possible that we can get to recruit to replace them and get back at that same level. Um, you know, I'd like to see us more, you know, recruit a couple of offensive linemen as well. So I think oh. – a huge get, you know, especially, uh, but defensively, we're losing eight starters this year. And, uh, we need, I like all these wide receivers that we're getting. I like, you know, that we got a couple edge rushers, but if we can get a couple more secondary you know, linebackers, I think I'd be, I'd be a little happier than I am right now, but he's doing a great job. Yeah. You kind of just, uh, you kind of just saved my tail there because I did have some offensive lineman notes. Uh, obviously, the Bryson Sanders thing happened with the Ole Miss, him going to Ole Miss. Tennessee's still in a great sponsor with a, with uh, Francis, like I said, great spot there. Then you got Lucas Simmons, the four-star offensive tackle from Clearwater, Florida, that Tennessee's prioritized a lot. And then Stanton Ramil, he's kind of a sleeper pick on there. Really, really athletic guy from the state of Alabama, another guy to watch there, so that'd be great. And then I also forgot a, a guy that Christopher Gabriel might get to know a lot because he keeps up with you know California high school ball, a guy from Bishop Gorman off of uh, Will Stallings Jr., an uh, up-and-coming running back that's kind of exploded in the camps here recently. He's been averaging 25 yards a carry recently picked up a Tennessee offer and also got a prediction to Tennessee. So a name to watch there playing at Bishop Gorman with some of the best talent in the state of California. So just uh, a lot of, a lot of good stuff to watch for Josh Heupel. If you can get, you know, the Carnell Tates and the offensive stuff, defense, we know defense is a need and to hear those names even coming up and, you know, getting good stuff and good word there is important. So. 
I think what you're both saying is depth of talent, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's what Tennessee has not had for so long. I mean, how long has this roster, didn't really matter who the coach was, be really thin? And Josh Heupel has a great understanding of uh, him and his staff of needing to have layers and layers and layers. It's like when you're cooking, and every time you add a new ingredient, you're gonna re- you're gonna reseason, you're gonna reseason, you're gonna reseason, just to make sure you keep that depth of flavor going. And I and mm-hmm. I think I mean your specificity. Uh, your guys' specificity with recruiting is is light years better than anything I could ever offer. But looking at it from thirty thousand feet, that that's been one of the problems with Tennessee in terms of trying to make up ground on all the teams ahead of them uh, that have got gotten ahead of them. And that is the depth of talent. Where somebody drops out, you know, somebody gets injured, and and the Bamas and the Georgias, oh hell, the Kentuckys even have had somebody mm-hmm. to come in. And I think that's what we're getting now. We're starting to see that depth of talent. And yeah, I'd like to see a little bit more on the defensive side, but we've seen one thing with Josh Heupel and this staff, uh, and that is contrary to what a lot of people were saying when he came in, the man can recruit. I mean, Mm -hmm. when's the last time any of you, any of us have seen this number, this plethora of four-star and five-star players interested in Tennessee? And for anybody that has this idea that you're going to go win and win big with three-star players, I know that there are gems. There's there's guys that are underrated, and quite frankly, there's guys that are overrated. But if you're going to compete, if we're going to compete with Bama and with Georgia and with LSU and AM, and there's got to be a thicker talent base of those top-shelf guys, uh, and that's what Josh Heupel at least is starting to get interested, uh, guys interested in coming to Knoxville. Knoxville feels like it's becoming a destination again, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, well, especially when there's multiple five-star talents, like you had Samuel Impa from IMG Academy. He reached out and got his official to Tennessee. Peter Woods, defensive lineman. I know he didn't leave a Tennessee in his top five, but he reached out and came on an official here. Like guys are starting to reach out, top prospects in the country of, you know, Under Armour, Nike, whatever it is. That's ESPN 300 rivals, 24-7 on three. They're reaching out to Tennessee and, you know, hey, can I come visit? Can I come see what this is all about? Because they're hearing what, you know, guys like Carnell Tate or Nico are saying, or Francis are saying, you know, on the on three, and they see all this stuff on social media about Tennessee being back and, you know, just trying to get a peek. That's, you know, it's wasn't, it was unheard of three, four years ago under the last, you know, staff, but to see these guys coming in and then you have all this good news. And obviously now it's in a day of age where not only can you benefit off a name image and likeness and Tennessee being so far ahead, but you have an amazing staff offensively, defensively, it's just going out here, getting heart to heart with these kids that, you know, making them believe that not only you're going to, you know, get great benefits, um, be sitting nice, but you're going to get, you know, great coaching, a guy that really cares about you, a guy that, you know, knows what you're worth. And a lot of these kids, they're still underrated just because of the fact that Tennessee is targeting them. Like there's no reason guys that are going out there getting 180 tackles a season in their high school season, 12 sacks, you know, breaking Georgia six, eight football records, still being underrated. Like it's no secret when a guy like uh, CJ Allen, a Georgia target, he was like 700th ranked player, jumped to like top 50. It's just, you know, it's always going to be hard. But, you know, to have a staff like Josh Heupel and this staff that can go in and see real talent and, you know, evaluate them and lock them down, that's really, really important. Evaluate, lock them down, and develop them. Exactly. I agree 100%. You guys absolutely killed that. So I feel like I have nothing else to add. Um, So before I dive into this poll question, I want it to be known that this is just hypothetical. Like which which of these options 
which you feel confident in saying is going to happen first. And I went back, I was scrolling through and I was trying to figure out where it was because I wanted to give the person credit and I couldn't find it. So if you're listening to this, I'm not stealing it. Feel free to hit me up and I'll give you credit because I thought it was awesome. So these are your options. Which of these is most likely to happen first? A men's basketball final four, a lady vols basketball final four, a baseball's return to Omaha, or our football team to win 10 games. Is it crazy of me to say that I think all four happen next year? Yes. That's crazy to say. You're I, think all, I think all four are super possible next year. You got Kelly Harper getting like t- three of the top five transfers in the nation. You got Julian Phillips, Tyrese Key, a bunch of guys offensively. All, all you really lost is Kennedy Chandler on the basketball front. And then you have year two of Josh Heupel. You didn't get all the needs you can, but we saw what, you know, kind of jumps you make year one to year two in football, seen it with other teams. And even under under Josh Heupel, everywhere he's been, the year one to year two numbers are completely drastic. So I don't know if it's crazy to say that all four might happen, but if I had to say most possible, I think I'm going, I would have to go, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I can't bank on Rick Barnes. You have to go with Kelly Harper, in my honest opinion, just because what she's done off the court. I think, I think this is the most talented team that Rick Barnes has had in his in his tenure at Tennessee. You know, CBS released their early top 25 poll today, and they had the Vols ranked at number nine, which is hard to believe. You know, over teams like UCLA, you know, just right behind Kansas, defending national champs. And you really break it down. I mean, they've done a fantastic – he's done an unbelievable job in those last few weeks on the recruiting trail, snagging Julian Phillips, getting Tyreek Key as a graduate guard. We'll, we'll get that experience that we definitely needed and will be great for Zakai. You know, and also Kamwa's coming back. I mean, like, Kamwa had flashes last year, and I think he's – I really think he's going to be able to finally get it fully developed and where he could be an all-SEC center. And then Jonas Adu as well. I mean, when you have the Scovy and – Are Tri- you off the Euro stream? Oh, Euros <laughs> is going to get his playing time too. Don't get me wrong. He's going to be start averaging double-doubles, you know. Big Euros guy since day one. But uh, I think – Kind of out there. I think if there's any team that Rick Barnes has ever had that will make a Final Four, I really think this is it because I think from a starting five perspective, they're just as talented as that Grant and Admiral team. But the huge difference between those two teams is that this team has depth, unlike Grant and Admiral did. Well, I to, to the point of the poll question, um, I'll get to that in a second. I do, I do think that all of those things are going to happen. Uh, I don't think they're going to all happen next year, but I Let's do think go. they're all going to – they're all going to happen. Um, my lean has to do with looking at the rest of the conference uh, and as well as overall schedule. So I'm going to pick Rick Barnes, get into the final four, uh, just because I think on balance with who is coming back in, in the rest of the SEC, I like where Tennessee stands. I like what they did this year. I think they're ready to take another step. Baseball, I don't know what this team's going to look like next year. They're going to be talented. They've got, you know, they've got a, a good recruiting class coming in. They've got the transfer, the kid from Kansas. Um, I think that's a that's close. I'm not sure the Lady Vols, Vols are ready to get to the Elite Eight, the Final Four. I'm not sure. I, I think Kelly's going to get them there. I don't know that it's going to happen next year. Football is definitely going to win 10 games, but not this year. Um, if they win a 10th game, it's going to be in a bowl game. The bowl game. Uh, yeah, I don't, okay. I, I don't think it's going to be a 10 games in a regular season. That's just kind of where I sit with that. That's understandable right there. I love it. Um, I was thinking really heavily about this question and I, I agree fully with Drew. This is the most depth that I've seen 
Barnes have really ever. I mean, if he's going to do it, next year is the time. I tweeted probably about a month ago. I was like, once he picked up those other couple guys, I was like, there is truly, in my opinion, no excuse at this point. So I also pick the basketball team to go to the Final Four. Um, And then that's why I also – Decided to scoop up some season tickets uh, when they offered them. So, um, hopefully- just so just so I'm not the um, so I'm not the single one out. Everyone else picked the men's basketball team, and I'm not saying it's not possible for the men's basketball team. It's just I've never seen it, and I think no one else has. You know, in a Rick Barnes coaching tenure, but when he finally, you know, kind of opened up and said, "Hey, I'm gonna do any and everything to go land a guy like Julian Phillips and get a top top prospect," you know, after what happened with the Will Wade fiasco. And he didn't just get him like he obviously came down to coaching, but Julian Phillips, he had an $800,000 offer on the table to go to the G League. Let's be honest what happened there for Rick Barnes to finally open up to that kind of level in his final years of his coaching, you know, tenure. And to finally say, you know, see all these coaches that did retire this year and Rick Barnes is be like, hey, you know, if, if I want to play this game, I have to accept it. And, you know, to get a guy like that, I think Julian Phillips, he's definitely going to be a key spot. That guy can go get you a basket anywhere. He can be the leader on the team and to have that kind of leader in a power forward, small forward, and not just in a guard play, you know, obviously you have BJ Edwards, but to have that guy as a forward that's big up there, go get you a bucket. I can definitely see this team getting farther than last year's team. So I, I made a, I made a, li- oh, go ahead, Drew. Oh, uh, no, no, you go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say, I, I'm at a legitimate loss to understand the people that, that jump all over Rick Barnes. I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't understand it. I know that he hasn't had a lot of success in March, but you know what? I, I don't want anybody else out there coaching this team. I mean, you don't. And I mentioned Gonzaga earlier. Listen, they have been the epitome of two things. Great basketball team, great program, and failures, if you want to call it that, in March. Yep. But no one in sport of Mark Few. I mean, they have faltered year after year after year, having at least two legitimate teams that could have won the national title, and they didn't. Mark Few's not going anywhere. He's had a chance to go. And with Rick Barnes, you know, I don't know why he's not succeeded in March, but that is the man that I want leading this program because I love love his character. I love his system. I love that his guys clearly love him. And that really Mm -hmm. speaks volumes about the bond that Rick Barnes has with this team. One thing I wanted to follow up on that too with CG, I talked about this a lot, like, when we were doing base basketball through this podcast, I I complained like not last season, but two seasons ago about how I felt like Rick Barnes was like not necessarily up to his best with timeouts or coaching or substitutions. But I felt like last season, he really absolutely stepped it up with that. Like to a level of which I was like, he is 100% the guy. Like, there's no reason for anyone to hate on him. I thought he coached some of his best games last season. And at the end of the day, it really just came down to that in that game against Michigan, we started out rough. And Vescovi had, like, one of his roughest games. Not to just call people out, but in general, like, I don't think that his coaching was any reason why they didn't make it last year, in my opinion. And I think that he's absolutely the best guy for the job. And there's, I don't see any reason at all why they don't make it, at least to the Elite Eight. There's really no reason at all. No, I mean, that's the thing. I think the huge difference about, like, Rick Barnes, though, is that, you know, when he 
when he got fired from Texas, he was kind of like in a little bit of a crossroads, like how most legendary coaches are, where either they're willing to evolve themselves as a head coach and trying to find different systems to succeed or stick in their stubborn old ways and then fail. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I hate to say it, but like, you know, Phil Fulmer is a perfect example where he was a coach where he was stubborn, not willing to change, even though the game changed around him. And evidently it got him fired at Tennessee. And Rick Barnes has re- realized even after, you know, that first round exit that we had against Oregon State when we had, you know, Springer and Johnson and all them, he realized, like, he's going to have to change his system and he's going to have to change his approach on the game and his recruiting tactics as well. And in the long run, because of that, we're now in a better shape than we've ever been as a program. And, you know, he's one of those, I mean, you know, Coach K and Jay Wright from Villanova, they weren't willing to change that. And evidently, at the end of the day, that's kind of the reason why they're out as well. So I think the program's in phenomenal shape. I will say, I mean, I would argue now that, like, that that he's the best coach that we've ever had in program history. I mean, you know, maybe besides Ray Mears back from the 60s and 70s, but even then, he's getting pretty close there. And it's just, it's exciting times to consider the fact that Tennessee's now consistently a top 15 and top 10 basketball team again. Yeah. But I had also wanted to add, like, you have to kind of look at what Rick Barnes has done around him. Kind of, you kind of hinted at the whole Texas thing. But ever since he's gotten here, he's kind of learned through his time at Tennessee last year. You know, it was the coaching staff having Mike Schwartz, uh, Justin Ganey, Rod Clark, uh, you know, having those guys that, you know, stay for multiple years, like Triple J and Vescovi, um, surrounding yourself with, you know, coaches or players that, you know, not only make you better, but make you a better coach, make you a better, you know, man. And Rick Barnes always done, you know, being with Faith and stuff like that with Dickie V and everything. I feel like, having those kind of, you know, new age guys with his old approach, getting his corner and these guys that go out there and play with this new age. I feel like that's the best thing. And I feel like, you know, obviously um, the final goal is to get to that next level and get to the final four and get to the place we've never been before, but we have every single tool and, you know, we're seeing it play in and play out with where the coaches are going and getting head coaching jobs, you know, still having those guys that are, you know, the guys that come in and be a one and done that are sitting with the four year kind of guys, you know, we're developing no matter what it is, one and done for your guys. And I just, I think that's the best thing for Tennessee basketball this day and age. You, you know, and I think the other, one other thing about this, and, you know, we talk about fans, we talk about fan bases and what people think about Tennessee and this and that look at, I mean, it's dropped off a little bit in Neil and it's going to go back up again this year, but I mean, you, you've talked about a football program that's always getting 90,000 plus, not, not every game, but that's what it's been. It's going to get back up to the hundred thousand area. A lot of people don't realize, and I decided because I'm this way, uh, to look back at top 10, top 15, top 20 basketball attendance over the last 25 years. Tennessee is there. Top five some years, top 10 some years. They are always no worse than top 15, top 18. And for anybody that doesn't realize that, it's like, look, you're talking about a program that hasn't really done great in March, but they're getting 17, 18,000 a night. That is a testament to the fan base. And more recently, it's a testament to what Rick Barnes has, has developed, how he has evolved his coaching. He keeps winning games. Look at baseball. They sold out all year. Women's soccer was getting people there. Of course, women's basketball is always drawn. There are not many programs in this country. I'll, I'll look at the West Coast. USC foot is lucky to get 60 or 70,000 people in the Coliseum. UCLA basketball, 12,800 at Poly Pavilion. They do not sell out there. Most anywhere on the West Coast, the only places that really draw Oregon football and Washington Huskies football. And even then, they've dropped. Tennessee fans are, are there. If nothing else, they have always found a way to continue to support the team. And I think uh, circling back to Rick Barnes, he's evolved. You know, I remember Bobby Knight, uh, 
Bob Knight, he said he was never going to incorporate the point shot. And then when he realized that everybody else in the Big Ten was incorporating it, well, then he did it too. I'm not going to recruit one and done guys. Guys in the ACC were doing it, so then he had to do it. I think Rick Barnes yeah. has evolved more subtly, but he has evolved. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. Yeah, that was honestly, yeah, that was perfect for sure. Do we have any closing thoughts? Um, I think I think honestly, I'll I'll start off with the closing thoughts, and then I'll let Drew and Christopher Gable get in there. But uh, I think you have to look, you know, obviously going forward. I think maybe after another week or two, um, the the whole baseball thing is still going to sting. I think you know, seeing the transfer news is about to come. You know, we're going to get those top guys, but it's going to be hard to be excited about it, thinking about the season. But we have to know that you can know if it's basketball, baseball, or football coming up in seventy-eight days, that Tennessee's probably in the best hands athletic-wise, and you can give credit to all the coaches. But you also have to give credit to a man like Danny White, who's coming to Tennessee, embrace the job of what it can be, um, even after the Florida SEC championship game where the fans were kind of like, you know, do you even care? And he sent the picture of him being on the field. I think him being here, embracing and seeing what we want as athletics. And a lot of that credit has to go to him because he's making sure that these coaches have everything they need. And I just think it's in the best spot it can be. Um, I'm super excited. 78 days. I've been the guy to kind of pivot to the football thing, but I, Recruiting obviously helps. I think Tennessee in the next couple of weeks, I think, you know, by the end of July might have 10 or so new names in this recruiting class, just kind of giving a little heads up there, but it's about to get really crazy. All the, all the hype is slowly coming around and I just think it couldn't be any better Tennessee athletic wise. So. Yeah. I mean, I agree with, uh, with Brando there, you know, a lot of exciting, you know, trends towards football, whether if it's recruiting or this upcoming season, uh, you know, basketball, I mean, this is going to be one of the most highly anticipated years that this program has ever had. And, you know, I don't, I'd be surprised if we don't have at least over 13,000 season tickets sold this year. And baseball, you know, even though it was a disappointing season, um, disappointing results, the trajectory of the program is about as good as anywhere it gets uh, in, you know, in college baseball. And I expect us to be an NCAA tournament team for years, if not decades to come. Well, I'll just follow up. I agree with everything Brando and Drew said. I think uh, I want to go back to uh, to the arrival of Danny White. And it's very clear to me, without knowing specifics, but it's very clear to me that he had a game plan coming in. And it's a game plan that he employed at UCF. And you saw it there with facilities. You saw it with football. You saw it with other programs, how everything elevated. Danny has not been here that long. And what do we have? We have, a, we have a, a, another Diamond Vision or Jumbotron going up in Neyland. We have new uh, seating uh, arrangements. We have Vols letters going up uh, you know, at, at, on either side of the Jumbotron. We have a $60 million, $68 million plan that's going to shift a little bit here and there depending upon where, you know, where these renderings go moving forward. But we have plans at, at, you know, at the, the baseball stadium going forward. We have teams elevating. We have a, an all-SEC championship, you know, the better winning percentage than anybody else. You see an athletic department that has been in the dumps, by and large, on the whole, and it has now lifted up. And now there's a lot of talk on ESPN, on Fox Sports, uh, on websites about Tennessee. Things are happening. Fans are excited. And I just I think that more and more and more, we're going to see programs elevating or going to a, yet another level. And uh, things are, you know, it's been a while. We've had to suffer through a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's been a lot of frustration. But I, I think those days, uh, I, I, not completely over, but we have rounded the turn and better days are coming. And I think we're going to start seeing even more of that 
with football picking up the, the baton and going forward this fall. Nice. I couldn't agree with you guys more. And I just wanted to end with like a couple good points. Um, you know, as much as this baseball season was like disappointing for us fans, let us not forget like the actual players and the guys literally out there day in and day out trying to bust their asses to get that glory that and unfortunately some of them are never going to see that field again. Like as much as we are disappointed, I'm talking to myself, like they do see everything. Like it does hurt, you know, we've got to make sure that we still are rallying and supporting them. I did have the pleasure. I'm not going to name drop, but I got to talk or sit next to one of the offensive linemen for our football team. And he was basically like, that was on Friday night at the baseball game. And he was like, listen, like, even if we aren't tagged and stuff, like we do see it and it does like get back to us. And some of us like can handle it. And some of us, it, it may not. So I just wanted to say that I wanted to make that a point on here. Like, Let's try to just as much as we can hold in like our negativity or our thoughts. Let's not tag players. Let's not DM players. Let's not do anything ridiculous because that's never going to get anywhere. And honestly, it just, it just makes you look bad at this point. And so I just wanted to say that these guys are heartbroken over that loss. They really wanted to go. And so did we, but we have to look on the positive side of not only everything they accomplished, but just how awesome of a group of guys they were. Um, and unfortunately they just didn't make it, but let's look ahead to like how bright the future of the whole university is in athletics. Um, I just think yeah, that was really important, like, like thing to say, because these are just kids. I mean, I, I used to be like out of control. And then as I've gotten older, I'm like, I'm still out of control, but I'm not like calling people out. There is a difference. Like I, I know my takes are wild. However, I'm not going to call people out on it. So let's just remember they're players. It's a game. And let's just be positive and look forward to the future. Yeah. Don't call out players. Call out officials. <laughs> call out Drew. Yeah. <laughs> call, out, call out Drew all you want to. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it just now hit me that I'll never see Drew Gilbert or Evan Russell in a Vols jersey again, and that kind of just broke my heart. So I want to blame Low for that. But all in all, the, the future is bright, and these guys definitely put a path forward for Tony Vitello and the guys. It's going to last decades to come as long as he's here. So um, all in all, great. All right. Well, I just wanted to say, like, just how awesome this has been. Like, I swear I could go on for hours. CG, you were like an absolute yeah. to have. I swear. It's awesome. A pleasure. Well, uh, I appreciate Listen, I, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, as soon as Drew mentioned it to me, I, I was, you know, I love coming on with you guys. It's, it's just fun to bat stuff around because, you know, we, have, for me, being a couple thousand miles away from you guys, uh, I have to just, you know, rely on Twitter, text messaging, Drew and I, you know, back and forth a little bit. Uh, but, you know, this is this is great. This is like, you know, just uh, four people sitting around having a beer and a burger and uh, and we're talking about what we like, what we dislike. You know, I mean, and that's that's what it's all about. So it's, it's fun that, uh, you know, a whole bunch of Vols fans, you have a big audience. And how about uh, patting yourself on the back? If you didn't do it already, you guys, uh, the one website uh, saying you guys were the Big best Boober, yeah. Vols, uh, Vols podcast. I, I just think that's awesome. That's a credit to you guys. Credit to you guys. 
Thank you, CG. Honestly, we are pretty stoked about that. I know there's people that disagree, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna ride it out to the promised land at this point. <laughs> Let the haters talk. Let the haters talk. Take know? a page out the baseballs and just be the villains. Yeah, to yeah. the haters. This is for you. Yeah. CG, always welcome to come on. You're a blast every single time. An absolute legend. And if you want to uh, check him out, KMJ Fresno, definitely a must hear, must listen, or it's time on the drive. You don't want to miss it. So just wanted to give you a great, great shout out for that. Thank yeah. you. You got I, Seriously, I, I, I appreciate it. At CG program on Twitter, right? You're, yes, ma'am. Gotcha. All right. Well, thank you again, CG, for coming on. Of course, we missed Alex tonight. He will be back. Thoughts and prayers to Alex. Thoughts and prayers to Alex. Um, yep. Yep. And I guess that's it until next time. Good night. Go Vols. Thanks, good CG. Yeah. Have a good, good night, one, you guys. Thanks so much.